0: As the world gets crazier by the day, we keep grinding and finding ways to give it meaning. In this episode, we'll hear from someone with many creative outlets to work shit out. We're about to talk beats, rhymes, and life with Oakland rapper and visual artist, Fresh Daily. What's up, everybody? This is Pam Torno, and you're listening to Select 5, a podcast where you get to know dope people from the Bay Area and beyond through a conversation about five songs that matter to them. And uh, I don't know if you can hear the difference, but I can certainly feel the difference. We're uh, recording this episode in our old stomping grounds. Bar Shiru, the Bay Area's first hi-fi vinyl bar located in Uptown Oakland. Shout out to Dan and Shereen for letting us take advantage of this amazing space and the acoustics. Uh, And joining me today is our very first in-person guest selector since the before times. That's right, we're getting a fresh start with Mike Richardson, better known as Fresh Daily. Fresh is a Brooklyn-born, Oakland-based rapper who released a bunch of new material this past year, including an album called The Quiet Life 2 and a three-song EP called Vintage Thrift Score. But Fresh is more than just a talented MC. When he's not spitting rhymes, he earns a living as a graphic designer and an illustrator. He's also the founder of The Beat House Show, which is a live event for beatmakers. Also, also, he runs a collaborative art brand of clothing, goods, and accessories called Very Relaxed. But it's his lyrical abilities that bring him to Select Five, of course, and I'm really excited to talk to him about his rap writing process and some of the songs that stoked his creative fires. Fresh Daily, welcome to Select Five. Hey.
1: What's Yay. up, y'all? Uh,
0: so as I mentioned in the intro, you're doing a lot. How uh, how do you manage the balancing act? What keeps you going?
1: Oh, man. That's that's great. I I don't know if I, I would call it a balancing act. Everything is just tumbling around. Uh I just, you know, it, it's less of juggling and more of throwing things up in the air and grabbing them before they hit the ground and throwing them up again. For me,
0: yeah, I think uh, that's everybody's mo right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's go back to your beginnings. How, uh, how old were you when you when you first started writing raps? What was your What was your first rap about? Do you remember?
1: Yes. Uh, one of my first... raps. Well, I grew up in a super... To give you a background, I grew up in a super Christian household. My mom is like Pentecostal. To this day, she still like only wears skirts. Like, you know, she only reads the King James version of the Bible. She's like super, super religious wow. and raised me with like no television, no secular music, church, church music. That's it. So I think... Um, In my coming of age and finding hip hop, hip hop came into my house through my cousin, Tamel. And the only way that we were able to rap was if it was going to be like gospel rap at church talent shows type stuff. So I think my first rap was probably like uh, one of the Psalms. I can't remember which one. Psalms 5, maybe like a a rap version of that. Okay. And so, (laughs) so that's how we that's how I was able to rap because, you know, like it was okay with my mom and then uh that that fizzled out as soon as I left. I was even leave home or as soon as I came of age I was like man I'm not doing church raps I'm out of here
0: yeah well everybody starts somewhere yeah yeah um so then after how how did you continue how do you continue to sharpen your chops after that how well you know
1: another friend of my cousin and mine's named Jason uh he uh he would take us to open mics that weren't at church he was a little older than us, and that kind of opened the door once I found out that there were other places you could perform. And so like most of the, at this time, spoken word poetry was really huge, and yeah. um, most of these were spoken word poetry spots, so I would go in there and just spit my raps a cappella. Sometimes reading them off a page, really nervous. I, I remember being at one time, one of the first times, I was so nervous, like I could hear the paper vibrating in uh. my hands as I was reading off, I was so nervous. Um, but that those formidable years like doing that over and over every week, you know, kind of sharpened the sword. And then we found a hip hop open mic in the Lower East Side called End of the Week. And End of the Week is the longest running hip hop open mic in New York City. And that, I uh, still going, yes, yeah, still going. Even in the pandemic, they were doing it on Zoom. Um, and that was probably in 2001 or. So maybe earlier, yeah, maybe 2000, I can't remember. But it might have been even earlier than that, and that that shaped everything, end of the week, every Sunday. Every Sunday. Every Sunday, like, I went there for four to five years straight. I didn't finish college, but I damn sure went to end of the week every Sunday.
0: Nah, that's dedication.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, and it's really, they had tournaments and challenges and, And it was, it's New York and this is Rapity Rap New York, you know, underground indie hip hop and um, not exactly some of the kindest environments, you know, or Mm. understanding environment, you know, that there also were a rotating cast of the who's who of New York underground hip hop passing by doing special showcases. And so you wanted to be elite, that sort of steel sharpened steel environment, you know.
0: That's got to be intimidating.
1: It it was, I think. It was it was a little intimidating, but you know, I think New York is is a pressure cooker. You know, yeah. pe- people that come from there especially will tell you that it's a pressure cooker and you either come out of there really done or you know, you don't make it and you got to jump ship and I think it was a blessing to, you know, come up in that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're from New York? Uh, mm-hmm. You're from Brooklyn specifically. Yeah. Uh, but you've lived in Oakland, you said the past five years? The
1: past five okay. years. What brought you here? Tragedy, honestly. Mm. Um, One of my good friends from back east, uh, Alex Gassan, he's a director and a videographer, uh, passed away with his fiance in the Ghost Ship Fire. And I, I came out here for a vigil and to see his mother. Um, And while I was out here, a friend of mine was like, you know, you'd be great for this job. You'd be perfect for this position. And at that time, you know, I was going through a breakup. My job had just let 11 of us go in one day at a startup. And uh, I was just kind of figuring things out. I was like, I don't know if I want to do that, man. But he stayed on me. And so I was like, all right, I'll apply. You uh, You know, I was also dealing with the loss of my grandmother and the loss of Alex. And I was like, I'm not in a mindset to potentially uh go for a job review and get rejected you know (laughs) i like uh, sometimes you get as an artist if you don't have you know your um you don't have your degree you sometimes be like man i don't know these places are looking for someone with a degree and i was like i'm not ready for that rejection but i applied i got it and i had three weeks to move to the west coast so I i had to pack up everything and head here
0: Wow. That was a lot of life change in a small amount of time. In a
1: short amount of time. But like I said, pressure cooker environment.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't really talk about it yet, but you're also a visual artist. Mm-hmm. You're a graphic designer. Yeah. Um, what would you say are the parallels between your visual art and the music? Do you feel like creating in one area helps the other? Is it like a symbiotic thing?
1: It is for music. Um, I don't know if it's the if music is symbiotic for art i just noticed that you know i started before music i've been drawing since i was five years old you know just and then over time i went to high school of art and design i I studied at pratt briefly um and all these things sort of like helped me draw but what i noticed with visual art is the process of having an idea something as ephemeral as an idea and then having to have some sort of hand skill to turn the idea into a real thing and then you've you pencil it and then you ink it and then you have to present it. And that process is more labor and time intensive than having a thought, something as ephemeral as a thought, and then writing it down in a way for at least for me, that's clever yeah. and syncopated and it affect a larger amount of people. Right. I could do a drawing, but unless a certain amount of people see it, it goes, but so far, but with music, I, ha- I can have the same idea and, and make a song about it. And due to the advent of the internet age, millions of people can hear it. So I just noticed that the same amount of time and effort or less time and, and maybe the same amount of effort, but it has a bigger impact with music. So I pivoted to music over art. And in a weird way, now I've gone 360. And now I'm, I've, in the past maybe five years or so, I, I've been focused more on art and less music. And now once again, another revolution, I'm back doing music. So
0: Yeah. It things happen in cycles. Everything I guess.
1: happens in cycles.
0: Yeah, yeah. So was it would you say it was easy to I mean, you lived in New York for a long time. You grew up there. Mm-hmm. Was it easy to establish community and five and uh, find creative partners when in, you landed here?
1: Here in it was a it was a little bit more uh a, a little bit more difficult. I, I I came into a new space. With kind of a cheat code, right? Because when I, when I moved here, the friend of mine that suggested the job to me was living in a house in West Oakland with two friends of mine from New York. So when I got here, I already had community. Okay. And um, they opened up their circles to me. You know, it was like the Olympic circle. <laughs> yeah. I was in one, and then that circle opened more circles. And and so one of those people was DJ Cream. Um, this venue has said, do you guys – asked her if she wanted um, – a residency, and she was like, "I don't know if I want to do a residency by myself, but do you want to do one with me?" And I was like, "Sure." So when I got here, I had a job waiting for me, I had a house waiting for me, I had a community waiting for me, and then a potential residency waiting for me. So I, I kind of got plugged in. I didn't have, yeah. I could, I know that I know a whole bunch of people who have moved across country or move different places and they get somewhere and they're sort of siloed, you know, everyone yeah. is back home and they sort of have to really go out and present the best version of themselves all the time and make friends and meet people. I kind of had I got I kind of got grandfathered in in a yeah. lot of ways, you know. <laughs> and Oakland has a lot of parallels to to Brooklyn in terms of um just there's a there's a vibrant artist community. There are a lot of people of color working in uh, artist communities and Um, so that helped a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a gift to -hmm. have that kind of leg up
1: for sure. The only difference though, that was really hard was in New York. I was, uh, the nucleus to a lot of artistic communities with, with doing beat house with doing sweat house with doing spread love parties. I've been throwing events in New York since I was 19 and bringing people together from all walks of life. So coming here, for all intents and purposes, I was really a new booty. And I'm very, very, very large on not planting a gentrifier flag when you move somewhere new. Not just saying, I just got here, here's my shit, check out my shit. I'm a big fan of going somewhere new immersing yourself in the pre-existing culture there supporting putting your money your time and your effort into what people have going there show up introduce yourself smile make friends notice support so when i got here it was really imperative for me to immerse myself in what was happening here before planting my flag and saying oh i do beat house i do sweat i you know and then those things happened for me here naturally yeah i wouldn't have it any other way
0: yeah yeah, not everyone is that conscientious, so that's awesome.
1: Brooklyn is super gentrified.
0: Yeah, yes it is. Um, so I feel like there are definitely some recurring themes in the persona that you embody. Fresh daily, very relaxed, the quiet life. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are all things that I aspire yes, to. Yes, <laughs> of course. How, uh, how did you attain these states of being, or is it what you're aiming for?
1: Um, you know, I think, I think it's a it's a combination of both what I'm aiming for and and some uh, attaining these these ideals, right? I think um, growing up is just. Uh as you grow as a kid, you just just physically in height, right? You don't see from the same perspective when you were four as you do at 24 just because you're several feet higher. And I think that's kind of a great example of life, right? You start out and you can only see at knee level because you're only knee level. But then as you grow, you have different perspective. And I think you stay the same person, but your perspective changes. So for me, it's really important to acknowledge that and like embrace all the meanness the next level and perspective of meanness right so for me like uh new york is very hustle and bustle and it got to a point where i was like i kind of don't want to be as mixy like out and about i kind of want to chill like i think for me the the moment perspective changed like hard shift was in my 30s when i when i hit 30 yeah Uh i was a big sneaker sneaker and streetwear person right and then you know there's this sort of sub movement of like streetwear is dead man because you know the all-over hoodies were, were getting repugnant and just ubiquitous you couldn't escape it and it's it sort of if everyone can get cool can has access to cool shit is it cool anymore yeah. and so so this sort of new movement began with like People on their thirties that were once super streetwear hipsters now were very into heritage clothing and very like and I kind of embraced that and just put my own spin on it and was just like, yeah, I just wanna be like I'm a grown up grown up now. I wanna just chill. Yeah. And like I don't wanna be in the mix or try too hard. Like I didn't want to reek of effort. And that's where um I worked on the first Quiet Life. And that's where that whole idea and ethos of a quiet life uh came from. And then also on um on umi says by most death he was like i want a quiet life me and my lady me and my baby and so i was like yeah that 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 feel that when you listen to my umi says that that feel when those yeah i want i want that feel and, yeah and i started working on a project
0: i've long been in the quiet life groove so mm-hmm. I, I i certainly feel that um well, let's, let's go ahead and talk about some music. Um, yeah. We're going to do something slightly different for this episode. So okay. Fresh, you selected three songs uh, yeah. that changed how you approached writing raps. Yeah. And then I wanted to hear a couple of your own original songs Okay. Uh, and have you break them down. So Ooh. we're going to start with one of the songs that you chose, right. which brings us back to 1999.
1: my hands like a patriot. One track sight without source. I buried the Christ corpse in my past life when the black knight mounted the white horse. And stay over the word. It's like the Nazis in the nation collaborate in attempting to take over the earth. Cause this is what happens when bad meets evil. And we hit the trees till we look like Vietnamese people. He's evil and I'm bad like Steve Siegel. I love the law cause I don't agree with police these. Shit, me neither. We ain't eager to be legal.
0: All right, from the Slim Shady LP, that's Eminem, teaming up with Royce to 5'9 on Bad Meets Evil. Yeah. Fresh, what is this song giving you?
1: Um, I remember hearing Eminem's album that preceded this one, which was an underground album called The Infinite, and being like, who is this guy? Um, And really having to search LimeWire to get it because you just couldn't oh, yeah. buy it in stores and stuff. And then this album came... And I think it just blew my mind, right? But this was one of the last songs on the album, if not the last song I can't remember. I haven't listened to this album in so long, but I heard this, and I was that was it for me, you know, like the lyrics on this, somebody um who can use alliteration and assonance and inside rhyming patterns, and, yeah just kind of blew my mind like insane. I actually, I actually was like, let me print this up because they're just, they're just bars in here that are just, all right. I'm, if you don't mind, I can no, pull do it a do little it. bit. Um, I don't speak. I float in the air wrapped in a sheet. I'm not a real person. I'm a ghost trapped in a beat. I translate when my voice is read. Through a seismograph, Through the noise is spread. Picked up and transmitted through Royce's head. Trap him in his room, possess him, in hoist his bed. Till the evilness flows through his blood like poison sled. Told him each one of his boys is dead. I asked him to come to the dark side. He made a choice and said, To make sure that you keep that oist and ed sound, right? Through an entire, like, eight bar pattern. And then... Not only that, so like, what I mean on inside rhyming patterns is like I don't speak, right? You have the O sound, the heart O. I don't speak. I float in the air, wrapped in a sheet. I'm not a real person. I'm a ghost trapped in a beat. You know what I mean? To keep it bringing it back inside of the pattern, yeah, nuts. Yeah, that's nuts. really
0: complicated. It's complicated. Not, it it and you know to keep up that complicated rhyme scheme and tell a vivid story.
1: Yes. And then Royce matching his energy too, and I was like, "Yo, who are these guys?" Yeah, I I gotta learn how to write like this because this is so nerdy and dope. For me, writing raps is equivalent to doing Sudoku, like to make sure that it's it falls within the beat in a certain syncopation. And it still comes off fly and on point, you know. Like there's a bunch of nerdy indie rap that is offbeat as fuck, and the, <laughs> you know what I mean. You listen to it, and you're like why do people like this why do people consistently go to this and it's like it's supposed to be heady and smart and sometimes it just but it don't people slap. are trying
0: to just be too clever for right their own it good. don't yeah.
1: slap though i can't yeah. and it's funny i ironically like you can't play eminem at the cookout or the barbershop like no not anymore <laughs> Not anymore. No. like but this era eminem unbelievable
0: yeah yeah i I mean I guess I never really it you know it wasn't until I started you know doing a little research for this episode that I started to appreciate just the just the amount of dexterity and skill that he has, like i mean I hate to say it, but like there's one verse of the song that like if you're just reading out it out loud, it almost sounds like Shakespearean or something. Mm um but you know i mean for all the same reasons it like it's hard in this day and age to like see past the the violence and the misogyny yeah and 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 oh yeah and, and yeah so it's, it's in this
1: song too it's but it's so yeah. it's done so clever i mean we gotta think about when um when our future first came they was these were like incel homophobic lyrics like mm-hmm. you know i uh, honestly they were kids and I feel like that's enough like people need a chance to fuck up and then figure out oh I was wrong and make amends and become a better person which I think a lot of the kids in our future have but this these are these are grown men kind yeah. of just yeah, bordering on father, the line of a little and, fucked up you yeah. know like Eminem was always a little a little fucked up in, in what he said. But the way, the skill level in which it was done, like even the chorus, if you want to call it a chorus, where he's like, because this is what happened when bad meets evil. We hit the trees till we look like Vietnamese people. He's evil. And I'm bad like Steve Siegel. Above the law, because I don't agree with police either. Shit, me neither. We can't, ag- we ain't eager to be legal. So please leave me with the keys to get Jeep Eagle. a breathe ether and three, le- it just goes so yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like the That's the line of- that I'm drawn to, yeah the amount of rhyme scheme that happens in just those eight bars is insane and i was like yo i gotta yeah
0: yeah there's something mathematical i guess about writing a rhyme like you you have the you have the bars and like you know how many how many words how many syllables how many rhymes can you actually fit in that one bar um Mm -hmm.
1: you think of like the 80s like a few years ago a friend of mine asked me to say the SimC so rhyme simple. simple super simple right <laughs> and it's like it's
0: kind of goofy right now. Well, you listen to goofy, it wasn't doing it's goofy you yeah. know like
1: but then like i think which is why rakim was so important is because when rakim came in he was doing like the double the double bars you know like the the double phrasing and then uh and uh, up until that point we hadn't really heard it yeah. And so I think that's why he's so pivotal in hip hop, you know? And then after him, it wasn't maybe Big Daddy Kane was also on that same wave and they were always rivals, right? Who do you like? Big Daddy Kane or Rakim? I think most people will say Rakim because he left an indelible mark on their mind when he came through with that style and then Kane kind of came after him a little bit. But the next one that that made like that indelible like mark that axe slash across the consciousness of of hip hoppers was nas because nas is doing it in triplets now but people are like and he's he was young So people were holding their heads like what is this and for me as someone who didn't have those moments because my mother didn't let me listen to hip hop mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. this was that rakim moment for me this okay. was that nas moment where i was like what are they doing what what is happening here you know yeah
0: yeah Oh, it's just a, di- a different entry point.
1: Different entry point for yes. me. But then to hear this, this is like taking what a uh, uh, Rakim and Nas done in at their at their uh, beginning when they they came out, and kind of turning it on its ear a little bit because it's taking it uh, like another step further. You know.
0: Well, let's let's move to your next song because okay. we're we're gonna we're gonna stick to the same era. Okay, sure, yeah. This one, uh, Fresh's Jay. second selection is from Jay Z.
1: I was out the door, pouch full of roar, a outlaw mentality. Men gotta do men things for men's salary. Bad boy, not puff for Mike Lowry. Damn big would have been proud of All me. Alright, A
0: deeper cut from the Dynasty Rock Love Familia album of two thousand. That one is called Squeeze First. What did this song teach you about writing raps?
1: Um This one really, really uh much like the other one had the patterns, this one had even deeper inside patterns because the way he would write it was uh, right where you thought the bar would end and he would rap with the last one. He didn't. He continued the bar further. But so if there's a comma in the middle of a bar, for example, when I meet you, you would think the next one would be, I eat pizza or something, (laughs) you know, like, but it's not that. It's right. The the next rhyme is, I heat you you down, down. right? Well, yo, when I meet you, i heat you down so it doesn't end with each it ends with down right when i greet you, meet you with pound so now we're taking a rhyme and like almost folding it on itself it's yeah, getting kind of like crazy mirror image
0: rhyme uh-huh. kind of thing yeah. when
1: i meet you i heat you down when i greet you, meet you with pound you would think normally now what follows with this was something else like itza and then a own right? To continue that pattern. Discard the pattern altogether. Not the handshake, but the type that make you demand awake. So in, in handshake, and then um, there's make right before demand awake, but there's an extra syllable in between handshake and demand awake. So he's still playing with the sounds of handshake, but added an extra syllable in between it. So now we're getting like, this is I hadn't seen this really done like this before this particular rhyme. Or at least maybe I never paid attention to
0: yeah.
1: it. Yeah. And I, so now I'm like, I'm really critiquing and getting nerdy into it. I'm like, yo, when I meet ya, I heat you down. When I greet you, meet you with pound. Not the handshake, but the kind of make you demand awake, the kind that of put land over your face. I pop and then discard it. Discard the that 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 pattern for a new pattern. Yeah. I pop ya. Let doctor stitch ya. I N F R A will not miss ya. I'm discarding it again. Every almost four to two bars, switching it up. I move light like my shoes too tight. Leave niggas confused from the day to the night. At night, see the light when the pistol's barking. Daytime, it get dark when that pistol barking. And then here we go. We we'll gonna switch it up again. I keep cash case. Cops arrest me case kids kidnap me kids could get back me like you see like the inside like yeah it's the the normal way you would break down a bar like writing it is not this this is so awkward and it's almost it's so weird but it works so well when he does it you know yeah like, and it, I I became obsessed with this song for the longest time It was like I gotta figure out how to write like this but still make it dope and clever and Again, it's like writing raps is like Sudoku. So this was like really trying to reverse engineer this shit is so insane, but so much fun if you're an MC, Yeah, you know, like, man, yeah, this is.
0: Well, yeah. So putting aside the fact that he has this complex pattern with his rhyme, like the ideas that he's rapping about, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's that alpha male swagger there. There's a cockiness there. Of course, I, you know he's he's rapping about the the younger version of himself, right? Yes,
1: um, he's definitely. But this is also early Jay Z. Well, m- mid to still, early Jay Z. Yeah. Rock La Familia. This album is arguably one of Jay Z's best because it was initially supposed to be a compilation artist for him to show the artist on his label. Yeah. However, in typical Jay Z form, he was like, "Nah, this is Nope. Whole it's going to be me. It's going to be me. These songs are too good." Also, this album is the introduction of Kanye West beats and Just Blaze beats That's for Jay-Z. Right. So, prior to this, we didn't really have uh the Super Soul. This this album also gave us Freeway. 1900 Hustler is on this album. This is the first time that a lot of people heard Freeway. And so like, and this is also this album also marks Jay-Z getting really introspective.
0: Well, that's what I was gonna ask about. Is like, what, what, what are you taking from him in terms of spinning out your own personal narrative or personal experience and creating, creating a rap song out of it?
1: You know, I sh- I really struggle with being personal in my music. I try to give people glimpses into who I am, but mm-hmm. I really do like a separation between Fresh Daily and Mike Mike Richardson. I I really mm. I like to be able to have fun and allow people to get a glimpse into some of my life and my story because I feel like my story is unique to me and I think I can only be me but at the same time and this I've had friends and collaborators say man you gotta you have such an you have so many interesting backstories and things that have happened to you in life why don't you rap about this why don't you rap about especially hardships and I'm just like I don't think that's I don't think that's the outlet for that for me like I'd rather highlight how I overcame stuff and how good things are going or how aspirational I'd like them to be. And then all of the hard times I kind of process on my own space. I don't know. It gives me some sort of separation. It makes music something for me to look forward to as a, as opposed to like having to hear something and potentially relive it. So yeah. for me, I think I can appreciate someone like Jay-Z talking about this stuff, but more so l- less talking about it and more about how he's doing it. Yeah. Right? Like this this particular song, even the second verse is even crazier than the first for me. Like the 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 patterns but also what he's saying, when I get low on digits, I push blow in the blizzard. Mhm. How did it go? Oh, I don't wanna I don't wanna misquote it. Hold on, hold on, Let me not misquote it. See, when I'm low on digits, I push blow in the blizzard. I'm a player for real. I post and pivot. Coke it Be where the ghosts visit, where the demons live. Shit, my scene is vivid. Squeamish kids, y'all get the fuck out. This verse is about to get so obscene in a minute. I seen and live it. I did some things I admit it, wasn't proud of it, but I was a child. Fuck it. Kept a pal tucked in a brown belt, couldn't sit down. Big gun kept sticking my pelvis. Shit, it was either that or be living with Elvis, just like the way that happens from coke distribute. Be where the ghosts visit, where the demons live. We lit, we leave away the o is it sound, the o is sound, and jump right into a new, a new uh sound with the where the demons live. Shit, my scene is vivid. I seen and lived it, and then bring it back to the if it sound at yeah. the end. It's it's so genius i don't want to uh, it's interesting i think
0: it's interesting that you're like the the thing that you're really gravitating towards is like the the wordplay there mm-hmm. and i'm i'm reading those lyrics and listening to those lyrics and i'm you know it's much more literally i, I believe he's talking about like his old days as a drug dealer uh-huh. but i also feel but like why
1: he had wh- to do it you why know?
0: he had to do it out of necessity i wasn't proud
1: of it but right. i was a child fuck it
0: but is it also, I don't know, I guess I, I sort of also see it as a metaphor for staying ahead mm-hmm. in the rap game, like I squeeze first, ask questions later. Yep. It might have been something that he literally had to do, mm-hmm. um, but it's also how he, ask he became not Jay-Z, the yeah. superstar that he
1: is. Yep. It's more of like that idea of a ask ask forgiveness, not permission type of thing, squeeze first. I can identify with that. I have my fiance. Is not from the hood, you know what I mean? She's yeah. not, she doesn't, she can't identify with a lot of that stuff. So she loves listening to like some of the hardest gangster rap and street rap that I've ever heard. And she puts me on to some of it. But, uh, you know, as someone who's seen and lived it, to quote Jay Z, like I grew up, I grew up in Fort Greene Housing oh. Projects,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right off Murder Avenue, aka Myrtle Avenue, you know, and this is in the 19, I moved there in 1991. So this is, shootouts broad daylight yeah you know like there are things that an 11 year old should not have seen that I've seen you know and so for me I don't I don't necessarily uh have to talk about it at length in my music because I've already experienced a large part of it right yeah but Jay-Z does talk about some of it in this way but he doesn't do it in a way like, say, someone like Nas does, where Nas gives you the view from his project window, right? He's done mm-hmm. something like that. The way Jay-Z does it, he does it in this really skillful way, too. And if you were just not paying attention, if you were listening on a, just a plain visceral level and as music, you would miss, like, the intricacies, how nerdy and how technical and how skilled it is, you know? Like, you would get... You, it's very easy to look at it and be like, yo, that's crazy. This is such a crazy story. But then the next layer of that is, as someone who's like lived it, the next layer of that is, yeah, he's saying this shit. And I can identify with that shit, but look how he's saying
0: it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look yeah. how
1: he's doing that. That's crazy because, you know, these are uncomfortable things. You yeah. know, I wasn't proud of it, but I was a child. Fuck it.
0: Well, you could obviously uh, nerd out on Jay Z for oh, yeah, many, many for episodes. Real, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go to song number three from yeah. Fresh uh which takes us to i guess a more abstract direction a very different style of MCing uh from MF
1: Doom. Droppin' off the beat kind of drippin' off the meat grinder heat nine up pimpin' sauce sweet minor kinda a neat sign of trouble with the script digits double diss bubble mix southern list mission borderline skits or sort of fine tints doll 401 order grind 409 let's go. So
0: this is Meat Grinder from the Mad Villainy album of 2004 collaboration between Madlib and late mf doom um so like i said this one differs from your other two choices it's much more idiosyncratic kind of a free associative rhyming it it's hard for me to decipher what's going on it's he's painting a picture with his words for sure yeah i i don't necessarily know what the story is that i'm following if there even is one but let's let's hear your take
1: um i found this album by going in in low side st mark's and there was a store there that you could buy or sell used cds and there was a guy there i can't remember his name god bless his heart i found so much music through this guy's recommendations um i went there because it was cheaper to get albums there and he recommended this to me and i put it in my discman on the way back to brooklyn and i immediately was like what the fuck is this what what there's no choruses uh, there's these random skits. I hadn't I hadn't heard uh Operation Doomsday. I hadn't heard um any of the stuff he had done before this. And I hadn't he was just he just knew what I liked and he was like, You would like this. You like Mad Lib, right? I do like Mad Lib. You would yeah. like this. Um and that first listen was really jarring, and I was like, I don't understand this. What is he talking about? I don't get it. And uh it's funny because most def had an interview. Where he said he heard it and he was like, I got it. I understand you. And I didn't have that come to Jesus right
0: moment. Right away, like, he got it?
1: He he got it, right? But I had that most deaf moment on like maybe the second or third listen.
0: Okay, yeah. Right?
1: Because I, up until this point, uh, I think I ingested music sort of at face value uh, a little bit. And I, I would nerd out on lyrics, but. I, every, everything it had to be an all-encompassing if i didn't get it immediately i kind of wrote it off but the music the beats on here locked me in and i had to listen to it a couple of times and then i could really nerd out you know and he yeah. is sort of sort of free associative rap which i love earl's early earl sweatshirt is the same way too there's a lot of artists that are doing that but um he has
0: this weird understated delivery too
1: yeah and he uses a lot of antiquated phrasing right? Things like, like, E-Gads, she got enough <laughs> style to start three fads, true that, she bad, I wonder, do she come with knee pads? Like, that type of shit, it's like, when's the last time you heard someone say E-Gads on a record, right? So, um, tripping off the beat kinda, dripping off the meat grinder, heat niner, pimping, stripping, soft, sweet minor, right? So, he's already talking about, I'm tripping off this beat, right? But, uh, and and the shit is so dope, it's dripping off the meat grinder, but heat miner means gun, right? He's pimping, stripping, looking for a soft sweet miner. China was a neat signer, trouble with the script d- digits. Uh, double dip, bubble lip, subtle lisp, midget. So it's like he's describing this girl in, in a in a really kind of funny and fucked up way. Uh, yeah. Right? And then borderline schizo, sort of fine tits though. port the wine, hoard grind, quarter to nine, let's go. You know, he's sort of breaking down this interaction with this girl he's just met, right? Um, and then it just goes bizarre and bizarre, but it's yeah. the way that he's spinning it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would switch it over to what Mad Lib's role is in this, because, like, he made these, the beats on uh-huh. this are, like, these nice sound collages, I guess. Yeah. It's, like, not just jazz, but other unique sounds, too.
1: Super weird, also, sample sounds and choices, which is, kind, it's kind of like... Uh, doom himself as a producer and he has a really uh, interesting palette of samples for his beat choices and sort of like mad lib put the paint where it ain't he kind of took a similar approach but put the paint where it ain't did it very mad lib style and added a perfect background to some of these like zany free, three thought associative raps and it's, it was just like a perfect marriage. We only got one Mad Villain. We'd never got Mad Villainy 2. Mad yeah. Villainy 2 is technically, it, it's out, but it's just technically remixes of the first one. Oh. Um, we, it, but it was such a, a congealed marriage. You know, like yeah. Doom has had a bunch of albums since Mad Villainy, but this one was the one that was, probably because it was the first for me, I went back and retroactively listened to some of the ones that preceded it. yeah. But this is the one that made the indelible mark. The flows and the rhymes on there have stuck with me forever. I've in, I've included them in my own process. Just,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, good segue. We're going to talk about your process now. Yeah. We are, uh, this is the, to me, this is going to be the fun part of the episode. Oh, boy. Because um, we get to hear the freshest rhymes hey. from Fresh Daily himself. Hey. Uh, the first one we're going to hear okay. is from uh, the vintage Thrift Score EP, which you released earlier this year. uh. This year, the year being 2022, for those yes. of you living in the future yes. or listening in the future, Uh here's a, a quickie rap called Headwear Discount.
1: I fly like I took to the sky. Been high since I bid Brooklyn goodbye. Not built to look in my eyes. Choose wisely. 0 12, up in the eyes, leaves <laughs> like nothing surprised me. No need for devising. I'm fine, so don't try me. Black is the night, uh, black is the plight, of uh, black fire line. i read the line and no I really
0: love the, the, the saxophone on this line, track and this the jazzy line, textures the that line, you have yeah. on it. Something about it feels very New York in the fall. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so but tell us about your lyrics and the your rhyme structure, because uh, like MF Doom, you, you have a verse but no hooks and no chorus.
1: Yeah. Um so the, it's so funny you said that New York in the fall. There's a guy who goes on uh, by God's Connect online, and he he takes beat tapes and he puts vocals to the I mean, visuals to them. Excuse me, he takes beat tapes and he puts visuals to them, and oh. these visuals are online on YouTube. You should check them out. It's called God's Connect. Okay, and he had this one up, and I heard this, and I think he had like. New York train in the background is the visual to this beat, and I'd never heard of this producer, but this beat spoke to me. It made me feel that way. It made me feel nostalgic. It made me miss home. Yeah. And I sought out the producer, and I hit him up, and I said, "How much for this beat? I don't care." And he gave me a price, and I I paid it. Yeah. Right. And he is it the, higher
0: than you would have normally paid? No, it? it was way less
1: than what I would have actually. And I, you know, I sent him my music. I said, "Here's who I am. Yeah. I love this beat, and so." Um, you know, he, he, not only did he do that, but he sent me two more beats and he was like, go mm-hmm. ahead, go crazy. And so that's the EP that you actually the, Those have. are the
0: three songs you right. made. And okay. so this
1: one, uh, I was just talking some shit on it. I was just like, <laughs> I, I just wrote the verse cause that's how it felt. It just yeah. felt like, you know, like, um, just talking some shit on it and just, yeah. Rappity rap. I I, I, <laughs> I I'm at a different place in life now. Like you know, I I to me, uh, as thoughts come to me, I just like to write them down and get them out. I used to be so super preoccupied with, uh, overly telling a narrative and really explaining who what this is and what the song concept and structure is. Now, if the thought comes to me, it's like jazz. Yeah. Out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I haven't stopped with the, the with structure and and narrative and uh you know really c- driving home an idea, but now uh those the free thoughts and free verses uh, I'm way more comfortable with them.
0: Yeah. Well, let me talk I I hope I'm not. I don't think I'm misquoting. it. I don't have like genius lyrics for no, 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 lyrics, but like this is the one line that I'm fly. Like I took to the sky, been high since I bid Brooklyn goodbye. You're not built to look in these eyes. Choose uh, choose wisely. Um, so obviously, Brooklyn still has of a course. hold on you for sure. It's a recurring subject. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but what I guess what what is the what is your bi-coastal Stance Like what, what kind of influence is the Bay having on the songs of, uh, on your songs of late? And what, what kind of hold does Brooklyn still have on you?
1: Uh, Not new to the scene, Cop three, five panels, two was supreme, the blue and the green. Right. So in a way, like, although I'm new here in Oakland, I'm not new to the scene of like creating music, putting events on. And so that's how I wanted to start it. Right. Um, But then there's also like a little inside joke, kind of like not new to the scene. Uh, cop three five panels two is supreme right and so there's like two and three equaling five and like just like play, just playing around little little things like that yeah um cop three five panels five panels are kind of a hat it's like a, a camp hat that has five panels so oh, okay. a five panel cap it, it, this is not a five panel that i'm wearing but normally a five panel cap has one panel inside one panel inside a front and a back it's five panels okay uh, and wait one two. And then there's back and the front, yeah. There's five panels. I'm sure I know in. it if I saw it. Yeah. yeah if you if yeah. you look, you see the five panels, right? So, but now it's very difficult to just go to Supreme and buy, uh, because kids resell. So I yeah. was just saying, I'm not new to this scene. I cop three five panels, uh, two for Supreme, the blue and the green. Team full of shooters of Rugers. It's mean loop the keys, make the drums knock. You dudes not doing a thing. I'm fly like I took to the sky. Meaning, you know, I'm fly. Like literally, I could fly. But also, I've been high since I bid Brooklyn goodbye. When I left New York, New York, uh, weed was still, uh, it wasn't. I don't think it was decriminalized even yet. Still, I remember throwing events and police, un- unmarked <laughs> detectives popping out of the bushes to arrest my friends on my stoop just for rolling up weed, and uh, you know, just that sort of police state around marijuana and marijuana legislation. Very different
0: from California.
1: Very different from <laughs> California. So that's why that line happened where I was like, I've been high since I bid Brooklyn goodbye.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Because okay. once I got here, I you know, i, I never forget. Uh, I feel like I went to maybe an event somewhere in in uh, San Francisco and there was a dude walking around with a, <laughs> with like a, a pull cart selling edibles and eighths. And, and he was like, in, I was like, no, officer, I don't want any drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I just it's just so weird to me, you know. Yeah. So I think that's that's the para- oh, Brooklyn Oakland parallel. It's just like I'm not new to this scene, but at the same time, I've been high since I bid Brooklyn goodbye, you know?
0: <laughs> so there's the Oakland.
1: Okay. Yeah. And then the further on, I just, you know, um, you know, I say 12, Hyundai bump in the eyes like nothing surprised me no need for the vising I'm fine you know I didn't know how to drive till I moved to to California I never needed to that know. makes
0: sense yeah I know a few New Yorkers who like don't I, drive yeah
1: I just I never needed to yeah. so at, at 36 I had to get my license you know like it was very strange but uh you know I'm talking about a, a 2012 Hyundai like it's a gorgeous car and it's not it's, <laughs> my car gets me around just fine but yeah. for me though it's a you know uh 012 Hyundai bumping the Isleys like nothing surprised me no need for the vising I'm fine so don't try me I'm black as the night I'm black as the plight of black gentrified redlining um you know the, the, I see that parallel in Brooklyn and Oakland here where people of color are getting pushed further further out yeah due to gentrification due to redlining so I I noticed it, you know, um, since I'm here and that's how it made its its entry into this song. Um I've read the liner notes, reclined in designer clothes, sipping wine, papers lined with the finest smoke. You know, more, more shit talking about some weed, you know. Yeah. It, it's just different it, for me, this experience, you know, my friend just moved to Oakland from Brooklyn. And he's, he just is having that same sort of culture shock. Oh, so like, he
0: is where you were five years ago. Yeah. 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 And it's
1: really interesting to watch. Him. Yeah. Just so interested to watch him because we're, we're both, I grew up in Fort Green Projects. He grew up in Marcy Projects, which is where Jay-Z is from. Jay-Z from, Z from. yeah. That. And it, Fort Green and Marcy share Myrtle Avenue as, you know, it's just, you walk 12 blocks up from Fort Green, you're in Marcy you know what I mean yeah. and our projects always had beef with each other <laughs> you know but um it's interesting to see like him being here you know like as a grown-up like I've known him since you know early 20s you know us being in our, our late 30s early 40s now as grown-ups and in a different place it's really interesting watching him and so
0: yeah Okay, yeah. so Vintage Thrift Score came yes. out right on the heels of your first full length album in like a decade, right? Yeah. So the album is called The Quiet Life Two. Yes. Came out at the end of twenty twenty one and is a sequel to The Quiet Life, which mm-hmm. came out in twenty eleven mm-hmm. when you were still in New York. Mm-hmm. What is the arc between these two albums?
1: Growth. Personal growth. Um I would I would even go as far as to say like the second one uh had a had a 10 year in it needed to digest or ingest or what i'm trying to figure out needed that time to finish cooking yeah okay you know there were some songs i wrote along the way that not all of it was written in the last years some of those songs are from 2014 some of them were 2017 Uh you know it, it took that it was a journey that album that i released last year was a journey from the first one essentially uh Life needed to happen in between so I could have things to talk about and sort of, so it's not a follow up fully in terms of like sound dynamic. The first one is way more like jazzy, Tribe Called quest like very, very laid back and chill. And this one is also laid back and chill, but yeah. there's a lot of life that happened from the first one till now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I really dig the album, so I uh, I had a tough time selecting one song to talk about, but I decided to go with Team Natural, so let's
1: hear that. I said, wow, queen, respect fly, like in the sky with clouds you've been running through my mind for miles plus I think you got some jewels in your crown you wanna get some food as you down and down, she wake up early in the morning just to do her hand out she wake up early in
0: From the first time I heard the song, I kept thinking that that hook sounded familiar, and it took me many listens before it finally dawned on me that it's that's a borrowed line from Crystal Waters' "Gypsy Woman." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very New York song. That was like the summer song of 1991. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what that reminds me of. Uh, What, or I guess more appropriately, who inspired uh, Team Natural?
1: Um. Team Natural actually has a really, really insane story to it. Uh, A producer named Twami did the beat initially. And this beat had... Twami is a phenomenal producer. He's super young. I've known him since he was 17. Um, He's produced for Sky Zoo. He's produced for a whole host of people uh, in hip-hop. But this beat had such a bounce to it. It just had such a bounce to it. And uh, House Shoes, DJ House Shoes, uh, from Street Corner Music, put out a compilation of some Twami music on vinyl. And this was song, this beat in particular, ended up on that compilation. Um, the story goes, Pete Rock hears this, associates House Shoes with Dilla and thinks it's an unreleased Dilla track. He, he tells House Shoes, I need this beat. <laughs> I had already recorded a song to this beat and gotten West Coast Luminary, NDMC, blue to do a verse on it for me and uh-huh. the, we wrote a verse about uh team natural at the time there was a movement online about girls with natural hair uh-huh. spe- more specifically black women with natural hair and i've always been a fan of black women with natural hair uh and as i've grown i realized there's all there's so much to learn about that protective styles and braids and all this. And so I was just like team natural, you know, girls used to put hashtag team natural uh-huh. if they had natural hair. And so I was like bigging them up for that. And I got blue on this record and you know, there was a period where it's very difficult to get blue to do a verse, you know, like, um, and I've known blue for a while. So I didn't know if he was going to do a verse for me, especially on the love. Cause I was broke. Uh, and he did a verse and I had it and it was on a twami beat. And then all of a sudden I hit Twami and he's like, yeah, Pete Rock bought that beat. Oh. And I was just like, wait, why is he buying beats? He makes beats. <laughs> well, why? Is, why why is he? T- well, give me <laughs> my beat. I need to, you know, and I hadn't he put out music. So much music, at so much time had lapsed and I wanted my album to be out. And I, I was potentially le- thinking of leading with this as a single Um, and it just wasn't in the stars for me and some time lapsed. Um, and then I was just like, I moved here and I recorded that song. I want to say in 2014 or 2015, including the blue verse. And then I guess I, I waited too long to put it out and you know, Pete Rock came in. Um, but then when I got here, a good friend of mine, Chris keys, I said, bro, I don't want to lose this record. Could could you like replay this for me? It doesn't have to be like the same, but I want to capture that same feel. The original had a Crystal Waters sample.
0: Ah, okay.
1: And it had a Mary J. Bly sample too. And after this, I can play it for you, the original, so you can hear the difference between the two. But uh, she wakes up early in the morning just to do her hair now, right? Uh Uh-huh. That was an actual Crystal Waters loop in the original Tuami B.
0: Okay. But
1: when we remade it, no samples are in there. Right. Chris played every part, even the vocal part is Chris singing on that beat. Oh, that's not you. I I say the the words, but the background, the little that that that's all Chris playing that beat. Once I play you the original one, off air of course. <laughs> Once I play the original one, your mind is gonna explode when you hear how 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 well did it. And then Chris did it, and I loved it, and I. A week or two went by and he was, hey man, um, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't want, I don't think people, I think people are gonna say I'm biting Twami. Because people have heard this beat, it's out on a compilation. I don't want people to think I'm just biting him or whatever. I said, come on, bro. Please, I love this song. It's like, it's pro-woman, it's pro-black woman, it's pro black women, its pro natural hair. It's it's a dope song, yeah. and it's got blue on it, and I want it to be a single, potentially, like. Yeah. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. Well, give me one more shot at it. And he does another version of it that's a little more Chris Keyes. Because the first one was almost like replayed top to bottom. This one was more him. It okay. was a little more chill, a little more lo-fi, a little more jazzy. But I I swear I love it better than... The original is OG. I love that beat. Oh, this is
0: mind-blowing to me. Because I just... You know, I, I don't know anything. I didn't know any of that it, history. But the yeah. song itself is great.
1: So Chris Keys took kept the essence of that bounce of the beat and just added his own flavor. And what we ended up with... Because uh, originally, I wasn't singing the chorus at all. There was no chorus. I just let that sample loop do the chorus for me uh-huh. and this way it forced me to come up with a kind of chorus a little bit and so i ended up saying that part but it can't just the overall the way it came out it's one of those things like hey it's in god's hands not man, mine <laughs> however this comes out it's gonna come out and it worked out beautifully yeah it worked out beautifully so yes uh I, there was no one particular muse in terms of like girl i was talking about very often uh, when I talk about women on my projects, it's an amalgam of different women, so that no okay. one girl can say, "Oh, he's talking about me." On that. <laughs> he's talking about me. I don't like. The, I don't like the idea of giving one woman that much power. Yeah, and then I have done songs specifically for women. It's very clear that you know it's for a woman. But even in those songs, sometimes it would be a verse where. It's an amalgam of different women. So she can't say, Oh, it's all you writing songs about me. That's so cute. Nah, not really. You know, but this but now I'm engaged. Amazing. Now I'm engaged. So I, you know.
0: Well, no, so now all of your songs have to them be about can Erica. I'm sorry. You
1: know, <laughs> but I don't know if she wants that, because you know, I think when you write a song about someone else, it could be good, it could be bad, it could be I, obviously I think it would all be good, but you know, she gets on she gets on my nerves, she gets me makes me mad. What if I write a bad song, you know? Like it's tricky when you when you're like, oh, write a song about me. Write, write a song about me. All right, what about if I write a song about what you got on my nerves at one time? You know, so so it's kind of yeah, tricky. It's, it's when, gotta when you be date all an of artist. It. it has to be all encompassing. Yeah, but I don't think I would ever do that. But I was <laughs> I think it's really funny.
0: Man, that was awesome. This is thank you so much, Fresh. Yeah. This is we're at the end of our show, Yay. but you you dropped so much Fun amazingness. Uh, I thank love what for you do. Me. Thank you for being on the show before I let you go What's up? uh what is up next for you? are you you working on any musical projects that you're excited about right now?
1: I'm working on all the musical projects uh, <laughs> just because you know uh, right before I moved out here, my grandmother passed, and uh she and i she was like the cool version of my mom if my mom was my mom wasn't such a stick in the mud and super religious and like judgmental like. My grandmother was like the cool version of that. Very interesting. She was like uh, very supportive, told me to do what I do, and sort of always held my mom at bay so I could do me. Uh-huh. You know, like she was a big, fresh daily advocate. And so her number one thing was like, when you make it, you're going to take me to Aruba, right? <laughs> that was what she, she was Aruba. saying. Aruba? Aruba. I want to go to Aruba. When we make, when you make it, you're going to, you know, I'm doing my best older Puerto Rican woman accent. You know, she's like, you're going to take me to Aruba, right? You're going to take me to Aruba. And then she passed and I, I never got the chance to take her to Aruba. Oh right? man, I'm um, sorry. And, uh, but i'm always you know she was just such an advocate for everything i do and even when i took time off to sort of find myself and move out here and get my shit together you know just her being such an advocate for my music always in the back of my head uh is just something that always keeps me going and and want want to create even when i'm like i don't want to do shit i gotta do shit yeah i gotta do shit so i am working on uh, a bunch of projects uh I do have a project with an MC named Science and my friend Chucklet Garcon that we recorded probably in 2013 2014 but we listened I listened to it the other day I was like god damn this is so good it's so good right before the last Euro tour that we went on we recorded a project because we were like well you have to you have to have an album to promote on the tour and we went on that we went on that tour and we didn't promote it because it wasn't out um we did perform songs off of it but we never put it out and it's so good. It's so, 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 so good. So I want to drop that in the fall. And I've also got, like, two other projects that I'm working on. Um, and so, yeah. And then new drop of very relaxed stuff.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, we have all of that to look forward to. Yeah. We also have a special playlist that we're going to share with you, Lovingly Curated by Fresh Daily. Hey. Uh, if you want to hear more of Fresh's original music, you can find it on most streaming platforms. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. If not all. Uh, but... I suggest you go to his band camp and buy it. Support yes. this indie artist. Yes. He, he doesn't mind me saying that at all. Absolutely. We're going to share all the relevant Fresh Daily links in our show notes. Thanks for listening to Select Five, my friends. If you are a first-time listener and you made it this far, wow. Extra special thanks to you. Uh, now do us a favor and give us a five-star rating. Or hit that sub button. Get notified when our next episodes come out. Tell your friends you love us. Word of mouth helps tremendously. Uh, Select 5 is a trio of cool people Who do this for the love Producer Kate Sullivan Technical producer slash theme song composer Brian Douglas And me, Pam Torno We'll catch you next time, peace Peace